Hello and welcome back to the Scenario 7 podcast. My name is Sam and this week I'm joined by the regular Mr Joe Roberts. First of all, Joe, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Sam. How are you? I am doing very well and we're joined by a special guest. Josh is ill again, um, not for the first time, and but we've replaced him with an unbelievable guest. Is Mr Alex Albon, impersonator himself. It's Matthew Collier. Matt, how are you doing, mate? I'm very well, thank you, Sam. Thanks for having me on the podcast. No worries. It's, it's great to have you on. And it is um, a great race review to have you on for because we are doing a Russian Grand Prix race review. It was action-packed. I am buzzing off of it. Heartbreak and joy, both sides of the coin in this one. And first of all, let's get both of your general thoughts on the race. Did you enjoy it? What do you think? Oh yes, I, I I did I did enjoy it. It was uh, looks like the preview where you basically slated the Russian Grand Prix worked <laughs> and made a very exciting race, which is a surprise. But yeah, it's there was some yeah it was very 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 good race. It was um, heartbreak, I would say, and obviously Hamilton with his hundredth win which is an amazing achievement in itself, which I don't think anybody will ever um, achieve. Um, but apart from that, it was a brilliant race and battles throughout the field. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was chaos at the end, but the strategist must have been scratching their head quite a lot in that race. I definitely was. You had like... Alonso and Leclerc still going long, your people on two stop or one stop, and then you had the raid at the end, which definitely spiced things up. Mm, yeah, no, it was it was really an interesting race, uh, full of all types of emotions. Let's get the weekend started, getting the review started with qualifying because this was the start of the weekend. There's not much really to say about Q1 or Q2 because all the drama happened in Q3. The only things I'll mention is in Q1, Verstappen didn't set a time. He was coming last anyway. It didn't really matter. And in Q2, Leclerc and Latifi didn't set a time because both of them were going to take penalties and getting into Q2 ensured they neither of them start last. But Q3, wow, this is when it got interesting. Hamilton hitting the wall in the pits. Lando Norris on pole signs his former best friend at McLaren in second, now at Ferrari, and Russell in third. I mean, sum up that Q3. What? I mean, how do you sum it up? Because it was carnage. Hamilton bottled it and some fantastic drivers that I think no one disliked capitalised. I think, I think mainly it's just, um, well, it described qualifying is basically describing the race mayhem. Mm. Um, I think Lewis Hamilton, as you said, bottled it. Um, but in the race could have bottled it if it wasn't for his um, team uh, demand him to come in the pits. So I think it's two halves of the coin. I think Hamilton got qualifying wrong, but it then, as usual, delivers in the race. Yeah, I mean, Joe's said most of it there. Um, Hamilton, I don't know, it feels like he's making more mistakes now that he's got a massive title fight with Staffan. And then obviously uh, Hamilton, with no front wing, held up Bottas, which meant that they didn't get to warm up their tyres. And yeah, George Russell in the wet. Well, if it rains every qualifying session, then he might be getting in the top three quite a lot. So yeah, very, very surprising top three, yeah. for sure. Yeah, no, totally. And Carlos Sainz in there as well was was pretty awesome. Uh, and the top three really did set up a great race because we had none of the title contenders, really. Well, there's only two, Verstappen and Hamilton, Verstappen was starting last, Hamilton was starting fourth. So there was going to be overtaking. That was almost a dead certain. And the last few laps of the race were just unbelievable. I'll go through the incidents quickly in terms of who retired and that. Um, 
because there's not really much to go into detail about because no one retired due to like a crash or anything. On lap 34, Mick Schumacher retired. And then I'm not going to lie, watching the race, I just all of a sudden looked to the bottom of the screen and I was like, oh, Nicholas Latifi's DNF'd. When did that happen? So after the race, I scrolled through Twitter, I scrolled through the Williams, the F1. No one mentioned I don't think any, I don't even think Williams realised. He just all of a sudden just wasn't racing. It was so weird. And who knows what went wrong? He had a nightmare weekend. I feel bad for him because he's been really good recently. But I cannot tell you what lap it was on as who knows when it happened. But I want to get on to the main talking points, the post-race talking points. We'll get on to the big juicy ones later uh, later on. But first of all, Lance Stroll, um, he got a post-race 10-second penalty for a contact with Gasly, which basically detra, had a detrimental effect on his race. Gasly had a nightmare weekend because everyone basically just got in his way or hit him. I felt really bad for him. And then also... He hit his teammate out of total, just not seeing him at all. He was looking at the corner, just had zero awareness, which is really poor. But um, what do you make of the two incidents with Stroll, guys? I'm very short for words, but you basically summed it up <laughs> perfectly. I think, Gaz, well, the one with Gasly, Stroll was just being an idiot. Um, and then, again, Stroll and Vettel is just a bit clueless and just as in I think there were I think Anthony Davidson was analyzing it where Stroll was as you can see was looking at the corner rather than looking his mirror and then just basically squeeze Vettel which could have caused a massive crash and basically took both of them out and they're very lucky very lucky with that Uh, I would have loved to have been a fly in the uh, Aston Martin team briefing because uh I just don't know what Stroll Stroll was doing. I felt Vettel maybe was trying to go for a move that wasn't there, but then they hit each other not once but twice. Mm. Um, so yeah, I'd love to be in that uh, team briefing. That's for sure. Yeah, I saw um, it pan to uh, Lawrence Stroll, who was having uh, a very angry, what it looked like, conversation with Vettel, and I was kind of sitting there thinking. Hold up there. Vettel's really done nothing wrong. It's Stroll who's just put him in a wall and then hit his back tyre. It was his fault. But um, just quickly, 10-second penalty for the contact with Gasly. Do you think that's fair? Oh, yes, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, no, I think that's a... That's a full house of agreeing uh, with that. Stroll was just a bit of a bit of an idiot. And Gasly, just again, really unlucky. Next talking point... And I know Joe is angry about this. Um, and it was Verstappen and Bottas. Before the race, Bottas took an engine penalty, which was a bit weird after taking an engine penalty the race before in a Monza. And I saw him share on social media after the race a little meme about him taking an engine penalty every race, and um, which was a bit of a, I think, a cheap jab at uh, Mercedes. But... He was put there, I think, he took an engine penalty to, it's my personal opinion anyway, I don't know what you guys think, was to block off Verstappen, stop him from getting as many uh, many points. And he got to lap six, and Verstappen was gaining, gaining, gaining on Bottas. And Bottas did not defend at all. And Verstappen went through really easily. David Coulthard made the comment, after the um, while the race was going on, asking the question, is Bottas going to Alfa Romeo or Alfa Tauri next season? Making it seem like he just really doesn't care about um, the team. And it almost looked like Red Bull had, had asked him to do that. But I want to get your guys' point of view. Was Bottas like oh, disobeying the team? Was he going against the team? Or was it just the fact that what he said which was he just couldn't see him coming. I mean, what do you guys think? Because I know, Joe, you think he should have done a lot more to defend. Matt, do you want to do this? I'll let you go first. I'll let you go first. Uh, I'm going to probably absolutely screw um, Bottas here in a way that, as in, I've had sympathy for him for basically the last 
I would say, year and a half just due to the fact that he's Hamilton's teammate. But he's turning a bit like an old granny when defending against, like especially like Max, uh, in the way that it was very tentative, very useless, and it was basically no point him actually being in this race, even though he finished fifth, because he got, for me, extremely lucky with the decisions, obviously to get him fifth. And I don't think he made a very decent overtake that he should, all the overtakes he made, he should make anyway. And Bottas, it gets to a point where his defending is worse than um, Mazepin, as in is on the opposite end of Mazepin. Mazepin's way aggressive. Bottas like, oh, Oh, you're going for the corner. Oh, I'll, I'll just turn out. It was, it's a bit, yeah. It, it, it's, it's embarrassing. I think just the fact that he's in the fastest car and he's getting outbreaking by an absolute mile by Max Verstappen because he came out of absolute nowhere and Bottas should have just turned in on him. Um, and due to the fact that. Hamilton can, can't trust a wingman like Bottas anymore. And, yeah, it, it, I think I was on the fence of him as the right decision. Mercedes putting Russell into Mercedes. And it's basically confirmed that Russell is the right man to lead or to go to Mercedes and be potentially Hamilton's wingman to protect him because Bottas is like a, a fly Um very weak, very feeble driver. Yeah, I mean, Joe's basically explained everything there. Uh, I'd say Bottas basically got a, got a uh, get-out-of-jail-free card that race because uh, he wasn't exactly having the best of races. And then as soon as it rained, he, Mercedes basically gave a get-out-of-jail-free card. So, yeah, Bottas definitely escaped the very poor result uh, thanks to Mercedes strategists. Mm, yeah, it, his good result was due to Mercedes strategist. It definitely wasn't down to him racing well. It was funny because Mercedes, uh, Toto Wolf went on the radio to Hamilton and was like, you can win this race, Lewis won this race. And then a team strategist went on the radio to Bottas and he was like, you can get top five. And I was sitting there thinking, there is no way Bottas is getting top five. He can't overtake Kimi Raikkonen. I mean, there is zero way he's getting top five. And then all of a sudden the rain comes, a sensational tactical decision. And he sometimes, somehow comes fifth. I mean, it was miraculous. The point you made there, Joe, about um, George Russell being a better wingman as well. In the first stint, it was um, George Russell was holding up so many cars. It was ridiculous. He literally had a... Hamilton was getting so frustrated because he was stuck behind. I think it was Russell, Stroll, Ricardo, then Hamilton, just all in a little DRS train. Because as Russell said before the race, uh, the Williams on the straights is very quick. The cornering is not good, but on the straight, it's solid. And as it's quite hard to overtake here, it didn't prove that way this time. But as it normally is, Russell kept him behind. So... Russell definitely is better defensively than Bottas. And I know you're frustrated, Joe, but we need to remember that Bottas is a great driver and that this is just, I'm sure, a one-off. However, someone... I'm not, I, I, no, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not having this. <laughs> it hasn't been a one-off. It hasn't been a one-off. It's, it's been, I would say, for this season, a wingman, I... I as in, or even like defending. Um, I forgot what race it was. Um, Zanvoort. He basically just let, sorry? Uh, was it Zanvoort? Yeah, Zanvoort. Uh, oh, just let him through. Even though he was on the bad tyre, he didn't do anything to defend it. So basically compromise Mercedes strategy. So then the, the strategist of oh, Mercedes had to do something else. There was another race where Max suddenly went swooping past like he's not like Bottas isn't there. It, it, it's it's yes, he'll be, he's a great driver. Yes, he is, and he's going to Alfa Romeo. But if he wants to keep his seat for like the next like for that contract, he needs to have some oomph in in him just to turn in or defend hard. 
because he's he's being very i don't know just very tentative in the way that he drives it's just people can just literally slide it on the inside and he's just he's afraid of making contact and that that's also the difference between i think russell and bottas as you said is very better at defending because he's like prefers to turn it in on people but yeah yeah no that is um yeah it probably hasn't been his first off race i was talking to someone while watching the race had a few people around and they were like it gets to a point where Valtteri Bottas just decides which week he's going to try because you have amazing weeks like Monza where he did really well. And then you have this week where he just didn't, as you say, defend his, he did barely overtook. He did really struggle, but let's move on to what everyone wants us to talk about. And that is Mr. Lando Norris heartbreak, absolute heartbreak this, this weekend for the young Brett, because at the front of the grid, it was a fight between a guy going for his 100th win and a guy going for his first win. And unfortunately, having a great strategy team and the experience of Hamilton paid off. But when it got to that wet stint, um, they made an incorrect call. I don't think anyone argues with that. They had to come in because his tyres were shot. The... I mean, it wasn't necessarily the tyres, it was just that the tyres didn't adapt to the... couldn't deal with the conditions because he was on slicks and it was, especially in Sector 2, Inter's weather, and it was getting heavier. So my question to you guys is, who is to blame for this? Because Lando Norris did make the call. He said he didn't want to come in. However, the team passed on incorrect data saying it was going to rain, but it's not going to get heavier. So who do you think was at fault for this incident? Um, that, that, that's, that's a hard one. I think it's a mixture of both. I think I'm more leaning towards the team in this one. I know, I know Lando Norris himself says it, it's him, that he made the call and whatever, but also the fact that, as we probably talk about Hamilton, the team told him to get in, as in, like, demanded him in the pit. So they, they could have done that. I think having the incorrect weather data, I think somehow McLaren need to update their weather forecasts and maybe go to a different service, like Apple, BBC, <laughs> New, BBC News weather. Uh, no, I'm just joking. As in, like, just, I don't know. They, 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 they need to get, if they got the weather conditions correct, I think they would have gone in. Um, as in then everybody went in except from the McLarens for some dumb reason, I don't know. But I think you can also blame Norris in just when seeing that gap went, gap go down, they should have just pitted and abandoned the win and just go for podium. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's very 50-50, uh, to be honest. I felt the, the team should have gave Norris more information um, they should have told him that the rain's going to get worse uh, within the next few laps. And but yeah, Norris was like sliding all over the place for quite a few laps already before the team told him to box. So yeah, I mean Joe's basically explained most of it there already. So I, I definitely think it's a fifty-fifty for me. Mm, yeah, it's tough because I was watching Ricardo's interview after the race, and he was just like. I went round and I was just like, no, this isn't, I cannot keep going in this. We have to pit. While Lando, I think, just was like in his head thinking, we are so few laps away from my first race win. My The person I'm racing has just pit and is now like 30 seconds behind me and was slightly naive in the fact that he thought he could hold on. Even Hamilton didn't want to pit. He just basically listened to his race engineer, which was very lucky in the end because Lando's, the problem was that Lando's race engineer was very, let's leave it to your call and didn't give him as much information. I think that was due to the fact that in qualifying, when Lando got pole, he did get asked by the team, what, what should we go on? And he said, 
let's go for softs. And they were like, right, let's put softs on. And then he got pole. So the team, I think, have looked at this and been like, right, Lando made an excellent call in qualifying. It put him on pole. He's the one racing out there. He knows what the conditions is like. Let's trust him. And unfortunately, the call didn't pay off. I think the team should have really overruled him and been like, come in. But clearly they misinterpreted the weather wrong, the weather data wrong, because I feel like every team has access to the same weather data. It's just about who interpret it to interprets it. Because the Mercedes were so adamant. They're like, by the way, the rain's getting heavier. And the McLaren, the McLaren garage were like, we don't think it will get heavier. So they've basically interpreted it in different ways, which at the end of the day has cost a very talented driver in Lando Norris his race and gutting, absolutely gutting. But on the other side of the coin, sorry, Lewis Hamilton, 100 wins. Wow. 100 wins is unbelievable. The only person who gets close is Michael Schumacher, who I think has 91, I think, yeah, I think it's 91, 93, I think it's 91. And Lewis has even beaten that record, which looked so hard to beat, bear in mind. Michael won so many titles, but if anything, Hamilton has eclipsed that. Well, actually, let, let me pose the question. Has Hamilton eclipsed that? Is Hamilton the greatest driver of all time? There's no right or wrong answer. This is purely down for interpretation. But... Who do you think is the greatest driver of all time? Because I don't think there's many records Lewis can smash yet. I, uh, I think this is this is what probably what side of the I would say allegiance to. If you're British, you probably say Hamilton. Um, if you're a Ferrari fan, you probably say Schumacher. If you're Brazilian, you probably say. Ellen Senna. Um, my my my. I I never got the chance to see Ellen Senna, but he's for me always will be the greatest. Just the fact you could look uh, looking at all the documentaries and that. But I think the way that Hamilton's going, if he gets the eight world title, he's broken. And then I think he is. I think he, there's there's arguments to say, oh, he's in the greatest car. Or, you know what I mean as in he's in had the best car for seven years but then again he took the risk for McLaren to go to Mercedes he then did what Michael Schumacher arguably did went to Benetton and then to Schumacher if you watch the Schumacher um, documentary film that's on Netflix it's kind of the same story in the way that Ferrari weren't very good team basically went out um, and did did basically the hard work to get to basically being the fastest car on the grid and just beat his teammate. And that's what Lewis Hamilton's done. And he's done that for seven years, except from, I think, 2006? No, 2016, sorry. Um, so to answer your question, my personal opinion, it is Ernst Senna, just due to the fact of how class the driver was. And I th thought he could probably win another four world titles. No, sorry, another two world titles to, to his, I think, three that we won. Um, but it's down, yeah, again, it's down to interpretation of, of what, what you think, who is the world title because of allegiance and, yeah, how, how you evaluate what, what is the dominant car in that period yeah for me it's very hard to compare all the different uh, f1 decades um especially of how much f1's changed even just like the basic thing as a steering wheel um uh, you know in senna's time there was none of the 50 50 000 buttons on a wheel kind of thing um yeah but i mean senna was superb driver um he definitely would have got more world titles if it wasn't for his crash. And, I mean, nobody thought anyone was going to beat Schumacher's record. Um, and, yeah, I mean, Hamilton, I remember Hamilton, uh, when people thought Hamilton was going to go from 
uh, when, sorry, when Hamilton went from McLaren uh, to Mercedes, everyone thought, you know, what is he doing? Why, why has he done this move? I remember uh, Jeremy Clarkson said that you've basically moved from Man United to West Ham. And, uh, well, boy, did he prove people wrong. Um, yeah, so for me, it's, it's very hard to compare um, who's the greatest of all time because um, of how much F1's changed over the years, really. Yeah, I would go for Lewis Hamilton, to be honest. I think for me, he is the greatest driver of all time. I think that, yes, Ayrton Senna's raw pace, I don't think will be seen again in terms of, I don't think anyone in terms of raw pace has has or will have what Senna had. Unbelievable, just watching him, the way he controlled it, unreal. Schumacher had so much success. He was excellent. His rise for Benetton to Ferrari, as you said, it's quite similar to the move from McLaren to Mercedes. It was a calculated risk. It paid off, but Lewis is smashing every record. I think he's the most complete driver in terms of his overtaking, his raw pace, his qualifying, his defending. I genuinely don't think there'll be a more complete driver. I think he has it all. And 100 wins, 101 poles. He's got seven world titles, potentially eight if he wins this one. I personally don't think he will. I think Max will pivot to it. But even if he does, I still think he is the greatest because, in my opinion, there's no one as complete a driver as Lewis Hamilton. Yeah, um, I, 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 sorry, Sam, I, I do agree with that. As I think the weird thing with Lewis, if you look at all his teammates like Alonso, Heike uh, Kovalainen, and I think then it was obviously Jensen Button, and then it Rosberg, and then Bottas. Every time he stepped up, delivered, maybe Jensen Button, I think that was probably the closest rivalry I personally think he had. I don't think a person, I think Alonso got outdone by a rookie. Um, and he's taken all the different styles. For example, Button's very good on his tyres, very smooth. You can, and then, then Alonso, very just raw pace in qualifying. Heikey, just... I don't, I think he was very good at being a wingman. I don't really think you took any style out of him. And then Bottas, I think, again, I don't think he took really much style with him. But then Nico Rosberg, I think, got the proper how to race quick, how to you have to be consistent, obviously having those battles, um, I think, twice um, throughout the season when, when they were teammates. So I think... To, to, to go back to the complete driver, I think he's learned from his teammates. He's adapted to his own style to work and work the tyres to like, yeah, he's what he's, his tyre management is, is amazing and qualifying is amazing, is an oval race pace. So, yeah, I, I yeah, as in, yeah, he, he, he's a very complete driver, as as you said, Sam. Mm, yeah, he, he really is. And despite the woes of Lando Norris, it needs to be that there needs to be joy as well for Lewis Hamilton because he's a legend of the sport and he deserved that 100 win. He's been waiting for it for a while, but he's finally got it. Let's move on to our team-by-team breakdown uh, where we analyse how everyone did on Sunday, uh, potentially talk a bit about strategy, basically whatever went on. And we'll start at the front uh, front of the grid with the two title contenders, Mercedes and Red Bull. We've talked a lot about Hamilton. We've talked a bit about Bottas. So um, you can still mention them, but you might as well skip over them. But... Let's let's talk a, a bit more about Ves, uh, Verstappen. He, we can't go this podcast without highlighting how well he did. Twentieth to second, sense he couldn't have done any more. He really could not. Um, have. Sam, Sam, I so sorry, sorry, Matt. 
Nice find, you go. Oh, I, I, I just thought Max was very, very lucky with the weather. I think he would have been at ease. He was going to be absolutely screwed on his tyres. I think Ocon or Alonso was chasing him down and overtaking him. He was, for me, very, very lucky. I don't think it was skill, Sam, as you probably are going to say, because Perez suddenly went to third to ninth um, when he was comfortably going to be there. So, yeah, it's... I don't think Red Bull... Red Bull got the maximum points they could get but also I don't think it was a very, very good day in terms of strategy. Yeah, well, until, Joe, until the rain. So what, what we do is I put forward a question of how did they do? <laughs> and then you answer that you don't you don't need to you don't need to butt in, but you know, I, I, I appreciate you're very passionate about your point, and that's fair enough. But <laughs> still an, a word on the battle between Mercedes and Red Bull. Um, we'll start with Matt because Joe has put in a bit of his answer about Verstappen. Um, but yeah, how do you think the Mercedes and Red Bull compared this weekend? Um, before before going into Russian Grand Prix, I thought this was going to be a, a nailed on Mercedes 1-2. Mm. Um, but I mean, Verstappen getting second from starting last, I don't think anyone would have expected that um it's massive for his championship uh battle as well um Perez and Bottas I mean the less said about them the better probably um <laughs> yeah but all in all uh Hamilton brilliant drive Verstappen I feel like he definitely was pushing too hard on his tyres um, so maybe the raid did save in the end, but I think both of them will be very happy. Mm. Joe, any, yeah. any? Oh, no, I, I, I haven't mentioned Perez in my first part, which I do apologise in interrupting you there. Um, I thought you gave the question. No, it's okay. <laughs> oh. okay. Uh, but yeah, I, I, just to add something to Perez, I think he is extremely lucky that he's got a Red Bull contract because he was very, very, I would say, um, probably less pathetic than Bottas at trying to overtake or defend, but he very lucky he's got a contract. Mm, fair enough. Yeah. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to defend Paris in a moment, but I'd, I'd like to add on Verstappen, what more could he done? Yes, the, he got lucky with the wet weather. I'm pretty sure a lot of drivers did with the strategy calls there, and some drivers got unlucky, aka Perez. But Verstappen couldn't really have done much more. He was overtaking uh, cars very well. Admittedly, some of them didn't defend, aka Bottas, but <laughs> he still did all he could to get second. Did he deserve second? You buy your own luck in F1. You know, he, he got lucky. It was his call to come in early, to be fair. And that call was spot on. So I think he deserves second. And he does deserve credit. Uh, moving on to Perez. He has admittedly dropped off a bit of a cliff. Uh, he started the season pretty well. And he was looking like a really solid driver. But it seems like the second seat, Hoodoo has taken control of the car again. However, he was very unlucky throughout this race. First of all, his pit stop, 8.9 seconds. That is terrible. These are, this is Red Bull, Mr. Oh, we can do it in less than two seconds. We're the only team that can do that. We did it in 1.88 seconds once, but then do an 8.9. I'd rather they were just consistently banging out 2.5s rather than trying every time, oh, we're going to go for 1.88. So that completely compromised him, bearing in mind he was in first. Admittedly, hadn't pit and everyone else had, but he really stretched those tyres out well. So his first stint was sensational. He was looking really fast on that. And then his second stint, again, was looking good. He was looking great. However, then the wet came and his team made the call to bring him in a bit later and... It was a flip of a coin, to be honest, for a lot of people. Some people paid off. 
some people it didn't. I think that Perez was very unlucky on Saturday, uh, on Sunday. I won't defend his qualifying. It wasn't great, but I will defend his race because, to be honest, I don't think he could have done much more. Just quickly on the Mercedes, Hamilton did amazing. Bottas was lucky. And that's all um, because we've discussed them enough. Um, but, yeah, let's move on to the uh, battle below the title fight but just above the midfield, going for the Europa League spots. It's, it's uh, McLaren and Ferrari. It was it was a better weekend for McLaren than it was Ferrari, that's without doubt. However, it could have been an amazing weekend for McLaren, but it didn't work out that way. We've talked about Norris. He did get fastest lap in the end. Ricardo, really underrated race, did really well fifth to fourth. Leclerc just oh had a nightmare and signs again did literally everything spot on nothing he could do. But what did you think of the battle between McLaren and Ferrari? Um, I think it's probably very just going to be quite short because you basically summed it up because Landonora is very heartbreaking for I think for him um, finishing seventh in the end could have I I think he would have won it. If he made the correct call. Uh, and then Riccardi, as you said, very solid race. Leclerc, solid race until the rain, which yeah. then kind of screwed him up. And then Carlos, I wasn't going to say he got lucky, but again, you have to be there to get on the podium. And, and that's what he did. So, yeah, it, he's Carlos Sainz has been very solid and he's. I think kind of understanding the Ferrari a lot more. And also he looks like he's outperforming Leclerc a lot, a lot more as well. Yeah. Um, just on that, I think Sainz has actually got more points than Leclerc. And I think he actually might have more podiums than Leclerc as well. Uh, not entirely sure on that. But yeah, I mean, Sainz looks really confident in that Ferrari. I was a bit surprised at the start of the season if he was going to take him a few races, but I mean, he's definitely hit the ground running. Um, I felt Ferrari definitely could have got more, especially with Leclerc. I mean, 15th in a Ferrari. I mean, like, what is that? Um, as for McLaren, I mean, they're definitely going to be devastated, especially with Norris. Um, but all in all, they're doing what they need to do. Um, to beat Ferrari in the constructors, and uh, that's that's their main ambition, really. Mm, yeah, no, completely right. I agree with the point that Carlos Sainz is now probably the main driver at Ferrari in terms of his performances. He, I think, he was brought in to be equal but slightly below Leclerc because they didn't expect signs to necessarily, as you said, Matt, hit the ground running like he has. And he's. I think I, he has got more podiums. I think you're right. Leclerc, admittedly, is more poles, but um, <laughs> he did crash into the wall for one. More, and I'm more sure. red flag poles. <laughs> exactly. He loves a red flag pole, and it never really worked out for him, for him to win any of the races he got pole in. But, yeah, Sainz is looking very impressive. And when we get towards the end of the season, we'll talk about who we think driver of the season. He is looking like a contender, I have to say. He is definitely looking like a contender because he has been really solid, really good. Let's move on to the three A's, or three out of four of the A's. Um Alpha Tauri, Aston Martin, and Alpine. And two of these teams got zero points, and one of them got eight, being carried by a world champion. Um, but yeah, Gasly, wow, how unlucky does he have to be? I know I've mentioned it, but every time I see his name, I just think, You've just had such an unlucky weekend. Norris has had a really unlucky race today, but Gasly's just whole weekend's just been really unlucky. Sonoda, Sonoda, not really sure what to say. It's Sonoda, he's just really underperforming. Better and Stroll, 
we talked about that and Alonso sensational and to be honest, I forgot Ocon was racing. Did the cameras ever like actually pick up on him? Oh, he did when Max came out the pits. Oh, well, there you go. So he was picked up once. Um, so well done, Esteban. That's the driver of the day for me. Um, you were picked up on the cameras once. But um, yeah, how do you sum up this midfield battle? Because Alpine, despite not having, in my opinion, as quick a car as the Alpha Tauri and potentially the Aston Martin, just based on A, Alonso, and B, based on just pure consistency, look like they're going to win this midfield battle. Uh, yeah, I think Alonso is doing what he does, did at McLaren and dragging a slower car to a, a very decent finish. Mm. And that's all you can say about Alpine. Um, Ocon, I think, just had a very bad race. It's, I would say it's not, I wouldn't say it's worse of the season, but it was a very bad race for him. Alpha Tauri, as you know, I love slating Sonoda because he's been. For me, the second worst driver in the grid, he's been awful, causing more red flags and just being utterly appalling. Um, and you could use probably stronger language. Um, and then Gasly is basically carrying the team on his back and Snowder and his car. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I think there's a lot of pressure on him and it's just... Very unfortunate. And then Aston Martin, um, they're just like tripping over each other. Um, and that just sums up Aston Martin in, in general this season. Um, they make their own faults. They drive into each other. And it just, yeah, again, just sums up, sums up Alpha Tower. No, sorry. Uh, yeah, Aston Martin. Um, yeah, I mean, this, this midfield battles crazy. One minute Aston Martin's doing really well, then Alpha Tauri's doing really well, then Alpine's doing really well. Um, Aston Martin, I mean, you just don't know what's, what they're going to do, really. I mean, sometimes Vettel's on the podium, he's doing an absolute blinder array. Sometimes he's spinning or he's at the back. Um, I agree with Joe. I mean, Gasly's just completely carrying uh, Alpha Tauri. I mean, I I don't understand how Sonoda's got a seat for next year. Um, I think it's mainly just because of sponsors. Um, Alpine, I mean, Fernando Alonso, I mean, he had a brilliant race. Uh, he was overtaking Max Verstappen, uh, to be fair. And uh, ooh, I, I'm not sure, but I feel like maybe if, if there's more luck on Alonso, he could maybe get a podium. Um, there's definitely been a lot of chaos this season. He just needs a bit more luck. But yeah, I mean, the midfield battle, I think it will definitely be swings and roundabouts for the rest of the season. Mm, yeah, Alonso definitely deserves a podium for his performances this season. One, I mean, getting Ocon that win, he played a massive part in it. He's had so many good results now. And what a pleasure it is seeing the Spaniard back in the sport and doing well. He's happy in the car. It's not like at the end of McLaren where he was just livid at everything that was going on. And it's just great to see him happy. Great to see such a class driver in the sport doing so, so well. I want to mention Aston Martin because it's really weird because they started the season pretty poorly. And then it seems like they just had a really weird blue patch where they were just really good for this certain point like this I think it started in Monaco and then you had it in um, a few races they got unlucky in Hungary but they were really good for a bit and now they've just gone back to being really bad it's Joe I see I, yeah, see. I, I know I know it's wise because the uh they're too excited for the uh, James Bond film to come out there you go. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. I hear Daniel. As soon as the adverts came up, like from James Bond, they're doing terribly. Yeah, yeah no, I, I hear Daniel Craig is the reserve driver. So I'm looking forward to doing a Hulkenberg if something goes wrong. But yeah, I, th I think you've hit the nail on the head. It's, it's James Bond. How, do, how did I not think of that? But um, <laughs> seriously, it's a really 
frustrating thing because I really want Aston Martin to do well. You know, British team, they have a driver lineup which I don't dislike. I love Vettel. Stroll's much more likable than he was, let's say, a few seasons ago, even if at the moment he's a bit of a, a wrecking ball. But <laughs> it's it's frustrating to see, and I want to see them get up the grid. I think their season's a write-off now. I don't think they'll win the midfield battle. I just hope that next season they can get their act together and hopefully challenge at the front. We don't know who's going to challenge at the front next season with all the new regulations, but hopefully they're one of them. Let's move on to Alfa Romeo and Williams. There was a bit where a bit of time where we classed Williams in a class above Alfa Romeo, but Alfa Romeo got more points than Williams this week. So we're going to put them in the same category. Let's do a bit of a comparison. Joe Venazzi, I'll start off with. Joe's going to slate him. Um, and <laughs> I'm not going to say anything because I honestly, again, another one who the cameras just never picked up on. And I just don't really understand what happened. But obviously something went wrong. Admittedly did start at the back and he did gain a place. So he was he, he moved up one. So that's that's positive. Exactly. What a drive. But his teammate, Kimi Raikkonen, Wow, what a drive. I thought he would fail, to be honest, this week. I thought he'd just have a stinky, you know, two weeks out the drive, out of the car, sorry, just had COVID. No, bang. He comes back into the car, gets eighth. Unreal, because it's four points. Beats the Williams, which looked so much quicker than Alfa Romeo the last few weeks, and did really well. Williams, Russell, and Russell did the best he probably could. I thought the Williams looked really struggled on the Sunday, actually, because Russell before the race was like, I have some, he was saying he had some faith that he could keep up the, keep people behind and maybe nick a podium because of the fact that he said that Williams had the best, uh, best speed on the straights on the whole grid. And he definitely did really well on the first. And the problem is when he pit, <laughs> he just fell down the order. Then with Latifi, he was unlucky yesterday with an engine penalty and he DNF'd today. We don't know when, but apparently he DNF'd. Um, so you can't really criticise him. So, Joe, I'm not going to let you criticise Latifi this week because he's. I'm really starting to like him and I think he's starting to show glimpses of his potential. But, guys, let's talk about Alfa Romeo and Williams, how you think they compared. And let's main base your... Conversation on Kimi Raikkonen. We need to give him the spotlight here. What's a race? I'll, I'll let I'll let Matt do that because I don't think Sam's gonna like what I say. Oh no! Oh no! Matt. Um. Yeah, I'll I'll go first then. I mean, Kimi Raikkonen. I mean, he had COVID for two weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, first first time back in quite a bit. To be fair, I'm. I guess he probably didn't feel 100%, you know, because COVID can be a very long-lasting thing. And to finish P8 in that car, mm. I mean, I remember his uh, ridiculous race at Portimao, completely blitzing through the midfield. I think he got to, like, P7 at one point. And, uh, yeah, it will definitely be missed in this sport because he always somehow does amazing results in that Alfa Romeo. Um, Williams, yeah, I mean... George Russell in the points. I mean, it's just like regular occurrence now, isn't it? He's he's definitely just performing. And even the car. I mean, they've developed that car so well uh, since the start of the season. Giovinazzi, uh, I mean, there's there's a reason why his, his seat is uh, uncertain. I mean, it's the only seat that hasn't been revealed for next season. Um, yeah, but all, all in all, Raikkonen, P8, uh, super drive and then Russell on the points. Mm. Um, this Am is... I going to have to cover my ears, Joe? Am I no, going to? No, no, no. Well, I'm going to probably slate Matt, uh, Joe Vinazzi more, so I'll go for the Alpha. I completely agree with Matt about Kimi Raikkonen due to the fact, yeah, he's been absolutely spectacular. Well, throughout, I think, the whole of his career, being the wingman to Vettel, um, I would say being very much Bottas like in a way. To him, um, yeah, and and 
today he showed his class and and went up to eighth from 13th but Giovinazzi oh my word he's rubbish um uh, as in you can is 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 you can argue about yes he's qualifying it's decent but his race pace just goes dips down like the Haas does usually on his race pace um there's arguments to say he shouldn't have a seat. I think he shouldn't. I think the the seat that um, Zhanyu's Zhou, um, the uh, Chinese driver that races, uh, I think it's an Alpine Academy driver. Personally, he hasn't really performed in F2. I don't think he deserves that seat because he will literally turn into another Giovinazzi. Um, but yeah, that's the, all I can say about Giovinazzi is that he doesn't deserve to be in the sport. It's the same like Sonoda and the same about Mazepin, so, um, which we'll probably get on to. Um, and then it was the Williams. Latifi, I think, did all the best he could. Not a very good car in the race, just in general. And it's Russia is a very difficult track. I'm going to be quite critical on Williams for their strategy on Russell. I think they could have gone a lot further with their tyres, potentially stretch it out to a one-stop. Yes, lose track position, but they're going to have their basically tyres, preserve their tyres a lot more. And I I personally think they could have got a higher result than 10th uh, in the end. Um, but yeah, it's... Yeah, I, again, Latifi couldn't do anything, really. As you said, he just randomly retired. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was random. I just want to mention Giovinazzi. I have defended him several times. He, he really struggled today. And I've defended Giovinazzi because, personally, I think he deserves to stay in the sport over Guan Yu Zhou. Over... I'm saying over that driver because I don't think he showed the results in F2 necessary to get into F1. However, I've talked about Teo Pilcher a lot of t- uh, uh, quite a lot and how much I love the driver. I think he's going to be a, a world champion. It's too early for him. What more can fellow Alpine Academy driver Oscar Piastri do to get a seat in F1? He is smashing it in F2. He, I'm pretty sure, like had joined with Russell, Leclerc, and someone else with the record for the most poles in the in a row. He's leading the drivers' championship. He's showing fantastic racecraft. He's showing great race pace. He is double the driver that Guan Yu Zhou is, and he's this is his first year in F2. It's it's and Guan Yu Zhou, I'm pretty sure, is in his third. If Guan Yu Zhou gets that seat, it's due to money. There's no doubt about it. He does not deserve that seat over someone like Oscar Piastri or uh, Theo Porcher. Admittedly, as I said, Porcher, it's too early for Piastri, I think, looks ready. If you if you win F2, I think you deserve a, sh- a shot at F1. Admittedly, you shouldn't go down the Haas route of just going, yep, let two rookies put him in the car. We don't need any experience. You should have an experienced driver. And next season, I've Bottas, who would help the fellow driver. However, that should be Piastri, not Joe. If it's if it's Joe, it deserves to be Giovinazzi, in my opinion. I, d- I don't know if you uh, agree yeah. or not, but that's my opinion, that Piastri deserves it a lot more than uh, Guan Yu Zhou. Yeah, I've, I've watched F2 for the last couple of years, and Joe's been... I think the first season was very good. I think it was close to winning it. I think he was nearly going to win it until Callum Eilock and Mick Schumacher, who personally, again, I think should have been in both Callum Eilock, should have been in that half seat. Um, but yeah, as you said, Oscar Piastri looks looks good. Again, there's there's arguments to say... If you win the tie, if you win the F two, you don't really des- as we don't really deserve a move up just due to the fact it's all about money in this in the sport. But I think Piastri should get it just due to the fact that being a rookie, it is extremely hard to win 
win it on your on your first go. And I can't remember who who else um, won it with their first rookie. I think I, the only thing I can remember is Lewis Hamilton doing it. I can't remember. As in, there's not Russell, many. I think Russell were uh, won his first. Yeah, so Russell. As in, you can you comparing to drivers that are of great F1 drivers or um, or world champions that have won F2 just being from a rookie. So, yeah, I, I think that should persuade Alfa Romeo to give him the seat. I'd like to just add some points on that because um, Callum Eilock has done uh, practice sessions for Alfa Romeo. Uh, Yu Joe has done a practice session thing at Austria. Um, I mean, Nick DeVries, I mean, yes. one F2, one Formula E, I'd at least like to see him in some sort of practice session or just give him the chance, you know, see what you can do in a Formula One car. And uh, yes, really all I wanted to add. Mm, I completely agree. I genuinely don't know what more that man has to do to get an F1 seat. One F2, which is the feeder series, in my opinion, I think there should be a rule that says whoever wins Formula 2 has to be in a Formula 1. I don't know how that could work. It probably is unreasonable and couldn't work. However, if you win F2, in my opinion, you should be in an F1 seat next year, either as a reserve driver, but really, I mean, if a reserves driver is the best they can do in terms of a rule for that, fair enough. But in my opinion, they should have a main seat for next year. And Nick DeVries hasn't just won F2, as you said. He's won he's won Formula E. He's literally won two titles against good drivers. The, the people in Formula E are no mugs. He really deserved that title. Admittedly, a few of them got unlucky. Stoffan Van Dorn got lucky. And the person, I've forgotten his name, who was going to probably win it did end up not starting the race in the final race of the season. But Nick DeVries, it it doesn't infuriate me because he deserves to be in a seat. It was between him and and Albon for the Williams seat. um, And Toto was pushing very hard. I don't think Toto could do any more to get him a seat. And to be honest, I don't blame them for choosing Albon just for the experience. I think he'd be a great driver. However, he has to be in a seat. He deserves a seat and he won't have one. And I genuinely don't know why. And it's really, really frustrating. But um, moving on from that little rant about why Nick DeVries deserves an F1 seat and Oscar Piastri deserves the Alfa Romeo seat, let's talk about everyone's favourite team, Hats. Joey Slate, you slate, and to be fair, I slate this team every week. Are you going to lay off on this? Or are you um, going to lay down? Well, I think was Josh's... I think Josh's prediction of two laps down was very much correct, I think. I think that describes what Haas, and that's all I'm going to say. As in Schumacher retired from a fault and Mazepin being a lap down. Well, no, sorry, two laps down, a lap down on Sonoda. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. Um, Yeah, I mean, Haas. I, I, I do feel sorry for Mick Schumacher. I mean, I, I remember watching the Netflix documentary of him sat in the Alfa Romeo um, food court or whatever. And, you know, they were talking about could Mick Schumacher replace Giovinazzi? And he's ended up in a completely rubbish and useless car. I mean, yeah, that, that has. I mean, I, it's interesting because, I mean, I think it was their first season they came fifth. Mm. And uh, I remember Kevin Manson getting P5 and a half, which kind of outlines actually how good both Magnussen and Grosjean were, um, especially because they knew the team inside out. And two rookies just was a recipe for disaster. Mm. If, if they wanted results, they should have been, it, the drive lineup should have been Magnussen and Schumacher, in my opinion. Magnussen shouldn't have lost his seat. He actually carried Haas for a lot of years. Admittedly, Grosjean got some good results, but Magnussen, in my opinion, was the one that got it, despite not being the nicest person off the grid necessarily. 
and we've slated Haas. I'm not really going to going to do it this week because it gets repetitive. They yeah, do that's, why I, that's why I was short and snappy. Exactly. Joe hasn't gone on a rant for once about them. But Matt, your points are completely right that it's frustrating. They've gone from a team that somehow got fifth in the constructors to now where they're not even competing for 17th, really, unless there's a DNF. It's it's embarrassing. It's really frustrating. And we, we talked in the preview about the future of Haas. So check that out um, if you want to hear our thoughts on it, where we don't rant as much as you probably think we do. Um, but yeah, we do give our thoughts on the future of Haas. That sums up our, or that get, that's the end of giving our thoughts on the team by team breakdown. Let's move on to the final item, which is driver of the day. And there were a few candidates. Matt, you're our guest. I'm going to go to you first. Who, in your opinion, was driver of the day? Um, I mean, there were some great drives all across the field, really. Um, but I feel like Verstappen P2, especially for the championship and what it means for the rest of the season. I mean, Hamilton's still going to have to take a... Uh, engine penalty at, at some race. Um, it'll be interesting where, where he finishes when he takes that penalty. But yeah, uh, Verstappen P2. I mean, he just he didn't have the best of starts, but to be fair to him, he, he kept it clean. I remember seeing Mazepin was P13. I was like, how on earth Mazepin <laughs> gained that many places? Um, yeah, but Verstappen was just so confident on the brakes. Um, Past Bottas with ease, and uh, yeah, his team made the right strategy call with the inters, and uh, got lucky in the pit stops really because everyone else, when they pitted, there was some sort of problem. So yeah, my driver of the day is Verstappen. Uh, my yeah, my driver of the day is uh, going to be Lando. Bit very heartbreaking. Josh is crying. Um, <laughs> off well, that's why he's not here. He's ill from the amount of times he's been crying today from yeah. seeing Spurs lose now to having Lando Norris heartbreak of not having a uh, a win it's made him win it's been uh, a bad day for Josh <laughs> yeah a very bad day um so yeah I, I'm gonna give it to Lando just due to the fact he dominated the whole race but the team and partly him kind of let him down in the last the last leg to to go for that win yeah, Lando would have been my driver of the day if it wasn't for the last few laps. And there are a few candidates I need to give a shout out to people who are close. Raikkonen, as I mentioned, fantastic drive, 13th to 8th, to eighth, sorry. Really great driver, Alfa Romeo, which hasn't been great in recent weeks. And returning from COVID, that's a really great achievement. And I was so close to picking him but I didn't because I went for the winner of the race and Mr. 100 wins is Lewis Hamilton. And to be honest, I went for Hamilton just because he didn't do anything wrong. He put pressure on the, uh, he put pressure on whoever was in front of him, forcing him into an error. His team deserve part of this driver of the day because Hamilton didn't really want to come in but his team were like no you, you need to come in it's it's getting heavier uh, the range getting heavier but yeah 100 wins he needs to be recognized I'm going to give him driver of the day and apart from even at the start when he lost out on places it wasn't his fault he got boxed in completely by people trying to make moves wasn't his fault even though he did get a bit of a slow start and from there, he excelled. He won the race. 100 wins at last. He deserved my driver of the day. But I'll also give a shout-out to, as well as Raikkonen, um, Ricardo did really well, a fifth to fourth. Very solid race. He looks so at home in the McLaren now, which is great to see because we all love Danny Rick. And Carlos Sainz, who, as we mentioned earlier, been sensational this season. Second to third, admittedly, did drop a place. However... None of that was his fault. He literally drove the socks off that car. As Anthony Davidson said in the analysis, he didn't put a foot wrong. If 
any fault was given to anyone, it'd be the team. He just didn't do anything wrong and he rescued a podium, which he deserved, to be honest. And that is the end of our preview. Oh no, our review, sorry, of the of the Russian Grand Prix. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. It's been a gr- it was a great race and it was awesome breaking it down and discussing it because so much happened. It's probably been a long one. If you stick it out to the end, we appreciate it. Matt, thank you so much. You've stepped in like Nico Hulkenberg did last season. Last minute call up. He came in without any fuss. He was happy to do it and he gave, and you gave some great insight, uh, Matt. So thank you for joining us. Thank you very much, Sam. It's all good. And whenever whenever Josh is ill, we'll, we'll give you a call to, to have you back on. So it'll probably be um, every week or so. <laughs> but um, yeah, Joe, you're here as always. So I don't I don't need to thank you for being yeah, here. Yeah, you, know, you, you actually are, you are loyal and you battle illness to be here anyway, even though you're not ill. But if you were, ill, I knew you'd be, I know you'd be here anyway. Josh, poor excuse, mate. But now let's end the positive. Then uh, end the podcast on a positive note. Fantastic race! Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Like, subscribe, download, whatever you need to do, and we'll see you soon for a preview of the Turkish Grand Prix in two weeks. We might bring you some content in between. We might not. We'll see. It's us. You never really know. But we'll be definitely be back in two weeks for a preview. So thank you for watching and listening, and uh, see you guys later.